Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. Let's go. I appreciate you saying that you are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, with you per usual. My master of all things sound and video, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime rejoining us as you can see. And as you know, I'm fired up to announce the Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who attends every single Warriors practice, press conference, shoot around in game, and a guy who has just been killing it. With great questions at media availability over the last couple of weeks, Mr. CJ Holmes. What's going on, CJ? Oh, good, man. I'm a I'm a questionable person, so I try to ask good questions. <laughs> Don't play it cool. Don't you play it cool? You nailed it. And in fact, you nailed it enough where I've got one ready to show you. Uh, Maxine, let's pull up the Draymond quote from last week real fast. Tougher. Now, after last game, you kind of talked about how these young guys, uh, Jonathan, Moses, um, you know, James, they need to learn their roles and thrive in their bench minutes on a championship team. I think one can make an argument that Jonathan Kaminga has put together one of his better two-game stretches, you know, that we've seen all season. What have you seen from him? I think it's been beautiful. And um, the reason being is 
you felt the impact. I so you can stop right there, Maxine. All right. So here's what sticks out to me, man. For those who aren't watching the video, you can focus just on Draymond saying you've noticed it, but his facial expressions, everything screams. You've asked a really good question, and it's because you've been on fire. But honestly, CJ, let me give you a different compliment. Maxime, run that for me one more time. Just give me CJ's question, the first 10 seconds. Now, after last game, you kind of talked about how these young guys, uh, Jonathan, Moses, um, you know, James, I need to learn their roles. and You can stop it right there. Your vocal inflection screams to me, ZJ, that you're comfortable as fuck, that you knew that question was going to land, and that you had a relationship with Draymond. Am I right on any of those? Because I remember thinking that when we played the quote last week, but we didn't have you on, so I didn't get to, like, scratch this itch, dude. So you, you tell me, man. Am I off? I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not going to sit up here on a live stream and claim that I have the best relationship with Draymond Green in the world. Uh, but uh, I do think that it's a relationship that has improved over my eight or so months on the beat. And I'm hoping it only continues to improve from here. And uh, I don't know. I didn't think much into the question. I thought it was, you know, very integral to like the theme of the game. Jonathan, these guys, you know, stepping up and everything and, you know, to the point about Jonathan, I remember sitting there in Minneapolis watching that game and literally what's like, what's going through my head is look at this kid go. And it wasn't because he was out here, you know, getting buckets. I mean, he had a decent scoring night, right? It wasn't like he was out here like getting buckets and like overwhelming people with his like offensive arsenal. He was just doing a little bit of everything, the little things, the stuff that doesn't necessarily always show up on the stat sheet. Like, like running the floor hard, being on time and intentional with his rotations, taking efficient shots within the flow of the offense, making that extra pass. These are the things that, you know, Steve Kerr, Curry, Draymond, the whole organization, these are the things that they have been begging, you know, Kaminga to do. Yep. Um, they've been begging him how to learn how to make the most of limited minutes on a championship caliber roster. And over these last two, three games or so, it seems like he's taking all of that feedback and finally applying it because he understands in his mind, he finally understands this is how I get on the court. This right. is how I'm going to make an impact. You know, a lot of young guys come to this league, and of course you want to light it up if you're scoring, right? You want to you wanna be a guy out there scoring. You, you want to be Apollo Bancaro, stringing together all these 25-point games and stuff. But the fact of the matter is that's not always the case right. for everyone. And as Draymond Green you know, stated, you know, in the game prior to me asking that question, a lot of those guys that were drafted around Jonathan, they went to teams that aren't championship contenders, hardly playoff contenders. Um, so Jonathan's situation is a little bit different. He's, you know, he hasn't been in a situation where he's just thrown into the mix, starting every game, can take whatever shots he wants because he's the, the, the new hot thing on the roster, the high draft pick. Um, that hasn't been a situation at all. He got drafted into an organization with championship expectations, right? And a team where nothing's just going to be handed to them. And while, you know, Jonathan's definitely had his moments last season, some moments this season, it just seems like this recent stretch, it's really starting to click for him. He's really starting to get it. Now, that's only, only good news for the Warriors bench and their depth, you know, that, that you know, with John Kaminga taking his game to the next level, I think that in a lot of ways raises this team's ceiling. I completely agree with you, and I agree with you so much that I'm going to break stride here. So I should tell you, just to, to give you full credit, 
I have a, a control issues. I'm a control freak. One of like millions of reasons I need therapy, but I'm going to show that I'm a little flexible. All right. Because we have a question that I wasn't going to ask you to way down the line. I'm going to ditch my outline here. It's going to make me nervous, but I'll go through it. Here is a golden question we got that triggers exactly what you're talking about. Quote, Jonathan Kaminga is currently having the best stretch of his young career. What, if anything, has changed for him, and how does he change Golden State? So I'm going to capitalize on some of the stuff that you just talked about and then turn it right back to you. So I agree with you, man. When, when we talk about what's changed, it's not his athleticism. It's not even his experience. He's, he's still, you know, he's still just a second-year player. But his mentality has changed. And you don't have to take it from us. Take it from him. Uh, Maxime, if we've got that Kaminga presser, let's play a little bit of that here. Like I say, take your time. It's just a matter of time. Uh, and things just come in on the right path. So I'm just, I'm just going to keep listening to what they keep telling me. And I'm not saying they keep telling me the right things every single day, but just knowing that they have a lot of experience than me, I just got to like buy in and just listen to whatever they're saying. So what sticks out to me right there, man, that is exactly what you want to hear from Kaminga, you know, and it, and it dovetails into what you were saying. He's not complaining that he's not Jalen Green. He's not complaining that he's not getting the minutes or the runway to make mistakes that Evan Mobley is getting. He's saying and recognizing that he's in this incredible situation to learn from winners. And all he wants to do is listen and learn, which goes back to the question, what changed CJ? You know, has this always been true and we're just starting to see the fruits? Did it is did he just start getting more advice? What do you think flipped this? You know, they say when the student is ready to learn, the teacher will appear, right? And that's I don't know who said that. Maybe it was Confucius. Somebody a lot more wiser than me is the yeah. I feel but like I, I just opened up a uh, fortune cookie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's a lot of truth to that right now in John Kamiga's situation. Uh, I remember getting on the beat last year and there were stretches throughout Kaminga's rookie season where you could tell that he was frustrated with himself. You could tell that he was frustrated with not getting the minutes he probably thought he deserved as a high draft pick. And it's taken him a while to have a paradigm shift of sorts to learn that I can be a star for this team in other ways than scoring. Right. Yep. Um, and I think the biggest difference for Kaminga right now is he's finally accepting the guidance and mentorship from his teammates. He's, he's being more attentive of when he is on the bench, when he's watching film. He's, being more, he's, he's putting forth more intent on you know, correcting his flaws and watching what the veterans do who came before him that's led to so much success from them. I mean, yeah. Draymond Green's the perfect example, right? Um, I mean, what he scored like a, a game, like a, a season high, like 17 points the other day. And I was like, oh, shit, right? But, <laughs> but that's the point I'm making. Like, throughout Draymond Green's career, he's never been seen as a big time scorer. Yeah, he's had a couple 30 point nights here and there. But why Draymond Green is eventually going to be a basketball Hall of Famer um, has nothing to do with the buckets he puts through the rim, it has to right. do with other things, the little things, the tough work. Um, impacting the game in ways other than scoring. And I think that that is finally a concept that John Kaminga is grasping and, and you know, taking heart to. You know, it's funny, you said, you, you, before we, got, before we uh, went live, you asked me if uh, I had an off-the-court report. I actually do now. Hey, all right. It's just something really small 
But I don't know. It's just to me, it was just like an indicator of like a change in mood, like a sense of being fresh. Right. Maybe it was like a week or so ago, maybe a couple weeks. It was after the Phoenix game where Kaminga didn't play uh, because he has a non-COVID related illness. Right. He comes into the press conference the next day. They have availability just singing and rapping and being lighthearted, right, in a way that we're not typically used to seeing from him. And lo and behold, ever since this man came into the press conference, you know, showing that much, like, happiness and exuberance, you know, his play has turned around. And I'm not just saying, like, positive thinking is is to, is to thank for this transformation we're seeing right now, but that's definitely part of it. I think he's finally starting to – you know, like I said, he's finally starting to understand his role, who he is within this Warriors offense, and what he can do to contribute to winning. And now, how's that impact the Warriors? Like I said earlier, um, it, it's, it does wonders for their bench depth, right? It gives them another two-way weapon to throw That's in right. there on the mix of Wiggins. Um, now, granted, is Kamega going to have some scoring nights like Wiggins? Maybe a couple before the season's all said and done. He might get the you know twenty-five, thirty. If, uh, you know, they roll the ball out there and you guys seen that meme with like Woody holding back buzz and just like let him cook. <laughs> like, 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 just like, you know, he's going to have some games with like, the, you know, Steph, Draymond, Clary, be like, whoa, 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 let the young guy cook. You know, there's going to be some games like that. But um, where Kaminga's going to make an impact is on defense, right. on the glass, and being efficient with his touches when he does get them. And if you're getting that kind of production out of your – I don't know what, what seventh, eighth man on the bench, and then if he's playing like this, it's probably he's probably going to slowly move up that ranking. Um, if you're getting that pr- kind of production out of your seventh, eighth man um, off the bench, then th- I think that raises this team's ceiling and further s- stabilizes this second unit that's ha- done nothing but improve in recent games. Hell yeah! This, if you and I've used this before, but if there are such things as a basketball scientist and you put together a room of basketball scientists and they had to create a body that was meant for this version of the NBA, they'd create fucking Jonathan Kaminga's body. And the idea that he is now being able to weaponize that athleticism and give Golden State probably the exact thing they need, another perimeter defender and source of athleticism is huge. But i tell you what you just underlined for me, and I don't know what it is about television and then sports specific, but I know if you ask me randomly about a 19-year-old needing to mature, of course, he's fucking 19 years old. Who the hell? I made every mistake possible at 19, many of which we've talked about on this show, you know? But when you see them in a uniform and you see them on television, you almost forget that. You view them, you know, in, in a different light. And so the idea that, yeah, he's maturing and recognizing that they're, you know, the history books are littered with people who've scored 20 points per game, but there's not that many champions. And that he's now getting to learn how to be a champion as opposed to just a scorer. There's a huge upside on this. Maxime, we haven't heard from you, man. Uh, what are you noticing with Kuminga? How does he help us out? Well, one thing that that I think there's some interesting things that are happening in the in the comments on the live stream here, in the live stream here. So I'll like parrot them a little bit, right? One thing is that he's not particularly seeming like anything rattles him. And I think that's totally true. You saw that in that press conference. He's seeming a lot more mature than his 19-year-old years uh, would make you think. But I think the thing that's also interesting, and maybe I'll flip this back into a question, right? We also got a question, which is, um, why do you think Kerr went away from Moody and back to Kaminga? And so 
I'll start by just speculating a little bit that I think there's something about the ways in which these different guys can play within the system, play off of Steph and what Steph is doing specifically. Um, and it might be the case that Kaminga is actually more suited for, you know, he's like, he's making the quick adjustment, right? He's moving off ball, getting into position, getting the the shot for that, you know, that incredible three that was maybe the most important shot of his game, of his career so far. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm just sort of curious now that we're seeing that, what is it about Kaminga that is allowing him to rise to the top over some of the other younger prospects that we had? CJ, I want your answer. Let me give you a random idea. You tell me how off you think I might be. Kerr doesn't take a whole lot of stock, at least from what I can tell, in regular season games. I mean, they got to make the playoffs and he cares about winning, but he seems to use this to kind of test out recipes, to figure out who can do what. And what it feels like right now is he's testing out Kaminga, seeing what the hell he can do and he's succeeding. So I know the fan base hates it. No, they can't stand it. And it doesn't matter how many times we learn it. They freak the fuck out. But it, I don't, I'm not sure this means that Moody is out of the rotation and Kaminga's in it permanently. It feels more like, you know, he's just testing it out. He's, he's seen what this ingredient means now. We might see, you know, the Moody ingredient added a little bit extra, you know, in a couple of weeks. But, but what do you think, man? Am I off on that? No, I think, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, from everything I hear on the inside about Moody, he's doing all the right things. Um, he's working hard. He's taking constructive criticism and working to get better. But I think that, and this is something Kerr said in the past, I think Moody being the outside man out right now and the rotation has to do more with what the team needs positionally. Yeah. And, you know, the log jam of a backcourt he finds himself in, right? Sure. The Warriors have plenty of versatility in their backcourt between Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, um, Jordan. And, you know, there's not a lot of minutes kind of in that backcourt to really go around. But what the Warriors do need is, or needed, is better size and versatility at the forward position. Um, Anthony Lamb has brought a lot of that. Um, And Kaminga was drafted to bring that, That, right? Um, and, I, and I guess the thing about Moody is, you know, Anthony Lamb effectively has, for now, taken his spot in the rotation, right? So, but, you know, the thing is, I think he's played in 14 of the 50 games that he's allowed to play in as a G League player. Yeah. So, with that in mind, Moses' time will come. You know, Kerr said it today, the NBA has a weird way of sorting things out, right? Yeah. Um, eventually, Lamb's going to have to spend some time down in the G League. Uh, back down in the G League as a two-way contract player, you know, and uh, all the, although the Warriors hope that they make it through the season injury-free, eventually there will be an injury, and when that time comes, it's on Moses to be ready, which he has mostly been ready in the past for when his number is called. Um, I think right now it's just like you know Moses's lack of playing time just like essentially, you know, dumbs down to. You know, just bad luck of the draw. You know, you're you're a young guard on a team full of veteran guards. Yeah, um, there's only so many minutes to go around. But the thing is, veteran Hall of Fame guard, come, right? So you know, Kaminga. You know, he should be looking at Kaminga and seeing how Kaminga's getting on the court and apply that to himself. So when his opportunity does come, he can take advantage of it as Kaminga has. I saw that Kirk quote, and if I'm remembering right, it was in context of Wiseman, right? When Wiseman comes back up from G League. But that's a general. No, of course. No, and I, and I think it was on the money the way you said it. And the only reason I'm adding to it, the the other kind of biting thing I took from that, and I haven't talked to Kerr. This is just my, my impersonation. But they asked him 
what's Wiseman going to do when he comes back up? What's his role? And then he gave the answer you just gave, that NBA has a way of working this out. And the way I interpreted that was he was saying to Wiseman, it's not going to be your draft pick that decides the kind of time you're going to get here. You know, we don't give a shit if you're the two pick or not. You know, either you are going to contribute or you aren't, and it'll be your play that decides it. Tell you what, CJ, I'm flexible, but not this flexible. I got to have some control, and we're going to go back to uh, to the outline I have for us, if nothing else, to play the background songs because I want to show them off to you, which means we're going to our glass half full, which triggers the song. Let's hear it, Maxine. Very relaxing. See, yes, hella calm. Mm-hmm. I like, I love the song. It'll, I mean, it's not like super hype energy, which we probably need for, for the show, but it still seems like a perfect transition song, which brings us to the glass half full. CJ, look back, man. Something you like, something you don't. I'll give you a little time. I'll give you something both. Um, I have something I don't like, but I'm going to keep it in pocket because honestly, I'm very angry about it and I want to run it by you and I need you to give me some kind of calm objective takes so i'll just start with the thing i like it's easy comes from the dallas game i like cj that we're back to the place in warriors basketball when they're down 17 and i still know that they're coming back you know that when when they had that giant deficit in dallas unlike earlier in the year i was watching with some friends at a bar and i bet that you know that they'd come back by the third quarter and it, it just having that pompous energy back because my team is good enough again feels great. So that's the thing I like. I'm going to hold the thing I hate. I'm going to marshal up my my anger so I can give it all to you. So to you boys, something you like or don't. What do you got? Well, how about I give you two things I hate? Oh, and yeah. These are two things that are still kind of holding the Warriors back from, you know, gaining some ground in the Western Conference and eventually creating some separation. Um the first one is live ball turnovers. The Warriors were whistled for seven, not one, not two, seven travel calls in Tuesday's loss to the Mavericks. Um, I don't have the I don't have the stats in front of me, but you know, we look at points off turnovers and stuff like that. That stuff that that many turnovers adds up. Um, you know, the Warriors can you know, of course, it's obvious that the league has made it an emphasis in cracking down on traveling and carrying violations this season. The Warriors are no stranger to, to, to the quick whistle. You just look back at that Miami game uh, early in November when Poole was called for three carries. In He's the not game. allowed to dribble anymore. Yeah, it's, I know what you're yeah, talking like about. Stuff, like just, just stuff you haven't even seen before. But, you know, the point of the matter is those are turnovers that are, are correctable. They're unnecessary turnovers, and they're leading to more opportunities for their opponents, especially on the road. Um, now the Warriors can sit here and you know complain about the league, say the refs have an agenda, or you can just simply not do it. <laughs> so, and the second thing I do not like is that the Warriors are, I believe, minus seventeen in clutch minutes this season. Um, I mean, That's how many games one. this year have come down to the wire, and you know, Warriors just kind of piss it away at the end, right? Um, they're not finishing games. They're not finishing games. It's already cost them about what four or five wins this season. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that people aren't really talking about enough. You know, the Warriors of the past used to them, um, you know, executing in crunch time, finding the right shot, getting that big stop. But a lot of that's been missing this year, and no one's really talking about it that much. We haven't heard and the Warriors' death lineup once. 
And if it weren't for a couple of games early in the season when Stephen Curry just goes nuclear in the fourth, right. then that's more games where <laughs> they probably would have lost because of late game execution. So the Warriors are going to get back on track. Those are two things that they really um, need to dial down and focus on, limiting those live ball turnovers, which lead to more opportunities for the opposing team, and you know, find a way to be more effective in these clutch minutes. You fanned up the thing I'm fired up about. Like I'm even more worked up now than I was 30 seconds ago. But before I jump in, because I'm still I'm, I'm ready. I got this rant ready to go. Maxine, you got something that's uh, that's burning through you? I mean, the thing, what you going back to what you said, Bram, about you know it's nice to not be sweating bullets if we're down by 17, thinking that we're going to come back. Another thing that I just like is not worrying every time Clay puts the ball up. I feel like we're getting back to a place where it's like, yes, the shots are starting to starting to go back in. I just I love Clay so much, and it feels so good to be like, okay, we're back at least to something yeah. like par. I'm not just like closing my eyes every time he shoots. Well, and having like some weird resentment, you know, like when he's taking shots that he shouldn't. It's like when they if if you ever go on a vacation with a friend you really like, but they snore at night. It's like it's not. I still love you, dude, but this thing's driving me fucking crazy. And like, yes, the shot selection's gotten better. Um, all right, CJ, here's what I hate. Okay. I hated that goddamn traveling call on Steph at the end of the game in Minnesota. But yeah. let me explain why, right? Let me give you the full rant, then you tell me if I'm off, all right? Here's my full rant. And it begins with, if not the best, certainly the most powerful commissioner of all time, David Stern. Here's what David Stern recognized, at least from what I can tell. He realized that people don't love watching basketball, at least the general public. The general public loves watching stars play fucking basketball. So starting with Magic and starting with Bird, he changed it. He said, yeah, we got these rules, but you don't call all the fouls on the stars. You make sure they can score. And then as time went on, they extended that. It wasn't just Magic and Bird. It was Jordan. It was D. Wade. It was Kevin Garnett. Pick a star, any of them, all of them. And I became aware of that because my team sucked ass. And when the Kobe show came in and he got all the calls, it was explained. It's a television show. This is more money for the league if they're succeeding. So fine. I came to accept that. Then, CJ, we got our star. He won four titles. He won two MVPs. MVP. He is having the best year of his life. And not only is he not getting calls, right when I thought I couldn't get more angry, they called phantom calls on him. They called a goddamn traveling on a game-winning shot. All right, so it is, is it one of the things we're going to do is I'm going to show you that play, and I want you to tell me if it's travel. But before we even do that, is it wrong to say there's a tradition in the fucking league where they don't call that type of shit on stars and there's not a bigger star than Steph Curry. So what the hell is happening? Yeah. It's, it's, it's real nitpicky, but I do see what the refs mean by the changing of the pivot foot, which by rule is a travel. Okay. Um, Take me to the second question, because that's the one I'm more interested in. Let's say it is. You know, nitpicky, I'll use your term, but let's say it is. Should they be calling that on the reigning finals MVP? At the I mean, if he, if, okay, so let me ask you this. If Steph Curry is walking down the street and he punches someone in the face, should he be immune to legal repercussions? <laughs> is it because he's Steph Curry? No, I mean, like, there, there are rules to these things, right? If if the man traveled, the man but, traveled. And okay. I can see the argument both ways, but, you know, I'm, you know, Let I remember the, the shot, I tweeted this out uh, the night of the game, after the game, but uh, it reminded me of that play at the end of that Heat-Kings game earlier in the year. Same spot, same kind of move. 
Kiro kind of did the same thing. You know, pump fake, kind of moved his pivot foot, no call. Two-minute report the next day revealed that he did indeed travel. But um, that's Tyler Hero, CJ. Let me change your analogy, okay? This is no longer um, a regular person walking down the street punching somebody. It is Denzel <laughs> Washington on set, and he punches somebody. Is there any legal repercussions? Fuck no. It's Denzel Washington, you know, and he's on his movie set. They were on an NBA court, and it's Steph Curry. The rules don't apply to the superstars. <sighs> Maxine. <laughs> Look, I mean, I, I, there is, there is history here, right? I think that the Kobe example is a perfect one. We've been, we've been put in our place as Warriors fans for a really long time and told like, you know, listen, this is just what happens to Kobe. So when you're on the receiving end of it, it's really frustrating. And then to have it turn around and have the rules not apply it the same. Look, I don't want to be in a situation where I feel like I'm complaining about, oh, we're not getting fair treatment. Nobody else is getting it. Um, but I mean, that's the fact of the matter, right? Like if we're going to say, oh, we're going you know, to officiate the game more tightly. Let's get back to the fundamentals of basketball. That's fine. But it feels like every other play you see, this is the direction that the league is going in. This idea of a carry, you see, people carrying all the time right you see like James Harden doing the step back three he wasn't called nearly as much everybody is doing versions of this and I think at a certain point it does kind of degrade the quality of the game in general to call something that you know feels a little bit more ticky tack but I love him for saying that but there's a result we should call this podcast not the Warriors huddle it should be the Warriors homers you know like this this isn't an objective take it's subjective I'm rooting for my team that's why I really want you, you are speaking in a lot of different ways here. But as someone who's played the game, as someone who covers the game, as someone who watches the game, real deal, man. Am I being ridiculous to say, no, you don't call that at the end of a game on a superstar? You know, or should. No, it's, it's an objective thing. It was a travel. They should call it. It is what it is. Or you can just not travel. <laughs> <laughs> Option C, huh? You don't like my A or B. Fair enough. Um, but here, I'm going to use it to transition into the golden questions one more time because we've got one more question that fits essentially right here. And we've kind of been dancing around it. So let's get into it. Quote, from what I can tell, the Warriors are being refed differently and more unfairly than any other team in the league. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist. And then parenthetically, it says, except for lizard people. But I swear that the officials are screwing Golden State on a night-to-night -night basis. Am I crazy? Signed, Johnny with a Z. So just before we get into the question, one, the lizard people thing, that's a very interesting caveat. And then two, how the fuck do you spell Johnny with a Z? I, I, who knows? But <laughs> back to the question itself, yeah? Um, some objective stats to this really subjective homer take. Golden State's played 22 games. In 20 of those 22 games, including the last 19, they have shot less free throws than their opponent. Um, Jordan Poole, we've already talked about, is being called on a travel call that, if I'm remembering what Steve Kerr said, yeah, it's a travel, but everybody does it. We'll see if they call it. From what I can tell, they have not been calling it universally. It seems like Golden State's being refed different. What do you think? Yeah, I actually just wrote about this before I hopped on the live. You know, you know, obviously I'm not at every NBA game. I, I can't, can't watch them all. Um, Probably could if I tried, but I don't watch them all. So it's hard for me to say definitively that the Warriors are getting a tougher whistle this year. Yeah. But from the games I have been in, I mean, seven traveling calls. Yes. Against right. the Mavericks, like seven. And then like Jordan Poole got called for like two, two travels in like a 
41 second span. And then, of course, like that Miami game where it was just a carry every time, you know, they put the ball on the floor, it felt like. Um, and then you kind of like look at the under, under other end of the spectrum, like Luka Doncic, every time he backs down the post, like it dribbles on the perimeter, like he's carrying on every single possession. You don't really see that getting cold. Um, so I will say that it doesn't look great on the referees for, you know, how they their treatment towards Golden State this year. But, um, you know, Steve Kerr, Curry, um, Draymond, they've all just said this, like, fair is fair. The rules are the rules. If you're going to call it, just call it, call it evenly. Yeah. You're you're a hundred percent right. Um, that actually triggers one more video. We got that Luca thing, Maxime. I'm not sure you saw this. It's been making the rounds on Twitter. Um, I guess this is a popular Twitter account that'll occasionally go back through games and then call fouls that weren't called. And he did that with Luca. Here's a, a quick taste of that. Since they're calling everything on JP, we got to enforce the game the right way. Carry, carry. Even Steph thinks so. Carry. Carry. And Travel. since this is a visual medium on a podcast, I'll Travel. explain we're watching Luca do a series of moves here, all of which are probably travels or fouls, um, which is what CJ was just calling out. Um, I, you know, I'm, we'll never know if this is real, if there's a conspiracy theory. The thing that frustrates me is um, to, just to dip into these waters one more time the Kobe stuff, the Jordan stuff, the bird, the magic calling them differently made sense to me. It's, it's money for the league. And then, of course, you're gonna, they're your superstars and you want, you know, you want the money to go up. I don't understand why you wouldn't give that to Steph. Like why you would take away the money that he would be making if you have him, for example, making game-winning shots in Minnesota. You know, they they should just allow it to happen. Um, but here's my final question, and it's our judgment theater one. This gentleman wants to know if we believe in any conspiracy theories. So don't answer us yet, CJ. Um, let's make a guess. Start with me. Do you guys think that I am a conspiracy theory guy? Do I have any impact? So CJ, you got to know something before we dive into this. Mm -hmm. uh, last last recording, we did a judgment theater, and uh, I I judged Bram pretty oh, harshly, and turned out to be super wrong. So I'm pretty <laughs> gun shy at this point. I don't mm -hmm. want to like offend. I you know like I feel like the yeah, relationship got us on some. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've had been in therapy since last week. It is deep cut, CJ. Oh, <laughs> deep cut, dude. He threw me right under the bus. Maybe looked fucking terrible. Um, anybody who watched it probably agreed with him, which made me even feel worse. You know, it was an ugly thing. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, whatever Maxime answers here, I may continue to hate him. We'll find out together. Uh, but <laughs> what do you think, dude? Am I a conspiracy theorist? I don't think you are. And now I don't know. Now I don't know if I'm if I'm just like double taking myself, right? And and I'm all turned around. But I really don't think you are. You actually seem like a a pretty sane, straight ahead guy. So that's my take. I have the opposite take. Bram is not a calm, reasonable person. And based on the last ten minutes of this pod alone, I will say that you are absolutely a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> See, this right. is why I'm so half confused of what now. You just said is, half of what you just said is on the money. Actually, really, all of it is on the money. Um, I am a crazy person. I mean, let's let's start there. There's no questions at all. And I believe that people with power and money behave badly. So the idea of like people in power telling stories in a way that isn't necessarily true, yes, wholeheartedly, completely believe that. Do I have any specific ones? You know, do I think like we never landed on the moon or, you know, there are lizard people? No, I don't have anything specific, but I like 
conspiracies, generally speaking. I'm sure they're out there. I just don't have any uh, any specific ones. Um, <laughs> my boy, 30G. So if you boys watch or if anybody watches on the YouTube channel, one of the upsides is you can drop comments. And it turns out people agree that I'm a little crazy and have some conspiracy theories in pockets. That leaves a Maxime. Um, I guess, yes. I guess yes, and something bananas. Uh, like I don't know. He thinks that like instruments can play themselves. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out what which one it is. But my guess is yes on that. Uh, oh, I like the thought he's dropping on this. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I mean, you guys just said that you should call this like the the, the Homer's podcast. Max seems a, he's just like you. He's a conspiracy theorist too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Here's what I liked about that is that when it came to me, there was no hesitation. Like, whoa, whoa, yes, he's fucking crazy. For Maxime, you said it, but you know, you'd like edged into it. There was a runway to it. Because he's a calm, reasonable person. <laughs> <laughs> Maxime, conspiracy theories? Look, anything that hasn't, that you can't sufficiently prove with science, right? It's just considered magic until otherwise noted, right? I, I, mm. I would say I don't believe in conspiracy theories. I believe that there are things that we haven't yet proven to be true, you know? So mm. that's, that's, how, that's how I'll put it. That was almost deeper than CJ's Confucius fucking quote that he gave me. <laughs> I think you answered it, but I don't understand what you said. So I'm not going to ask you any follow-ups because I feel like it'll reveal that I'm not that smart. <laughs> Uh, that leads to CJ. I was going to say no, but fuck you, CJ. I'm saying yes. <laughs> you come off as crazy for I'm sure. I'm a kiss. Okay, I'll just reveal it. I am a conspiracy theorist, but like really more so when it comes to like drafts and like you said, like mm. the lizards living on Saturn and things of that nature. <laughs> I am a conspiracy theorist in that way. It actually was the lizards who froze the uh, Patrick Ewing envelope on the <laughs> on draft day. So <laughs> it's all coming together. Who would have thought? I, is there actually, do you have a specific draft that you think was right? Is there a, a theory specifically that you have in pocket or just the idea that, uh, you know, that not everything's always done the way it should be? I don't know. I feel like nine times out of ten, the hometown kid goes home. <laughs> um I don't know. The most notable teams like typically get like the, the you know the number one pick in order to yeah, keep the like, yeah. market strong. You know, I mean, you don't you don't want you really want Wemby going to like Detroit or something like no, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying like stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I um, what I love. I, I feel like I review too much. I'll be judged by our viewers. <laughs> That's basically the only reason I do this. That's what makes it a conspiracy. Like I don't have concrete evidence to support these claims. It's just more of a gut feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I love. I never know what's going to happen when we hit record. Generally speaking, my favorite parts are the ones that we haven't scripted. This is one of those, dude. I love that you are a conspiracy theorist, and I cannot wait to grab a drink with you, and we can actually get which draft you think it is. You're you're doing the right thing by playing it cool, but uh, (laughs) I'm going to need some details. CJ, we appreciate you. Everyone appreciates you. And for people who need to get far more homes in their life, where do they go? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CJHomes22. And since Twitter didn't die, I appreciate retweets, not likes. Thank you. Fair enough and uh, duly noted for us. Twitter is the perfect reference because it's our only presence on social media. Up there, we are at Warriors Huddle. You can shoot us an email. Love to get them. Love hate mail, good mail, any mail. You want to get us a question, do anything. You can shoot that too. Huddle at WarriorsHuddle.com.
Yeah, with that in mind, go Warriors. And hopefully we'll see you next week. Good, good.